Great. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew. It'll come up on the screen behind me too. Uh, Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to do a little recap on some stuff I was sharing recently. And then um, I'm going to share some new points off the back of it. I think we've been in an incredible little season of prayer. And um, it's something's really stirring. I know lots of people are talking about something stirring in my prayer life personally. Or for some of us, it's that we feel kind of invigoration about being organized and a bit strategic about prayer. And I'd encourage you, um, seek the Lord while he may be found. Do you know that verse? There are seasons when God seems to sweep through a place, a community, a group, a family, and something is easier than before. And so I believe God's walking past with a spirit of prayer and intercession and stirring up our secret prayer lives and our public prayer lives and doing something in us. And so I would say grasp that with both hands because who knows when it comes to your private prayer life, you need all the help you can get. Yeah. Right? So when he's around doing that, I'd encourage you to dive into the, well, what's left? We've, we've had prayer schools and conferences and stuff like that. But this half night of prayer, I tell you, if you come along and even stay for two, three hours of it, you'll walk away and something will have been just invigorated and birthed inside of you. So um, I want to continue. I want to recap on something that I shared a few weeks ago about prayer. And then we're going to just dive in a few different directions and see what, what we do this morning. Um, I started a few weeks ago with one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Anybody remember it? We have it up on the screen. Matthew 7 and uh, verse 21 to 23 and it's one of the great scary verses for Pentecostal spirit-filled Christians, Christians who believe that God still moves today powerfully. And this is Jesus speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And the next verse says, many will say, say many, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? We went to the prophecy seminar and did we not drive out demons? We did, we did that bit too. And did your name, in your name not perform many miracles? And then the last, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. The point is knowing God, not performing miracles. There's a difference between performing miracles because we go to the seminar and performing miracles because we go to the secret place. And God's basically teaching, Jesus is showing us the secret place is the issue. Um, uh, you, 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 you know, use the name of Jesus, all kinds of wonderful things might happen. But knowing Jesus is even more powerful. Amen. And so the context there really for this scary verse is, wow. So many will say on that day, on the day of judgment, at the end of all time, we stand before God. I didn't know you. And so that, that to us is like, well, God, I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to have prophesied and perform miracles and sang Lord, Lord and cried Lord, Lord at the end of services in altar calls. Um, I, I want to do the will of my father. I want to arrive in heaven and God go, I know you. Yeah. I know you. And really the context of this is, we'll see, is we've been meeting for decades. Yeah. Right? You had me at hello. You've been, you've been meeting with God for some time. So the context is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, this big sermon that Jesus preaches, he says things like, so this is the will of the Father, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, meek, hunger, merciful, peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted. Who likes that verse? Fridge magnet, anyone? You know, blessed are the persecuted. And Jesus is teaching, unless you get more righteous than the Pharisees, unless you go higher than the law, now the law was impossible, so now Jesus has taken it into the super impossible. 
right? If you, if you go read the Sermon on the Mount, it's not even don't, don't, it's not don't commit adultery, it's don't even have a lustful thought. It's not even don't murder, it's don't get angry without reason, don't hate, all this kind of stuff. So very, very high standard. And uh, as I shared last time, when I was on my retreat and I was just musing through the words of Jesus and I was reading, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, hunger. You know, we, we preach a lot about success and peace and isn't it? Jesus preaches a lot about being poor in spirit and being meek and hungry for him and you catch the difference. Um, so these verses started to come to mind. I don't think these will come on the screen. I'll not put them up, but Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you to will and to do according to his good purpose. God is at work in us. Here's the secret of the Sermon on the Mount. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's not, don't be revengeful. It's, well, when they attack you, turn the other cheek and let them have a go at the other side. You go, what do you want about? This is literally hanging on a cross saying, Father, forgive them, level love. Who's there yet? Anybody? No, I need him to work in me, to will and to do. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I wish I could fly up to the sky. Anyway, uh, Philippians 1.6 says this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. In other words, I've started in you. There's flickers of holiness and flickers of passion for his name and flickers of love for others. But who knows that he's still giving you lots of circumstances to draw that patience out of you, anybody. <laughs> giving you lots of people to love. It's easy to love lovely people. Do you know that? It's easy to want to be in a certain connect group with a certain nice group of people. Do you know that? that that's atheist Christianity. You know you're walking with God when you pull someone into your connect group that makes, you, makes your eyes cross a little. And you go, dear Jesus, help my sanctification. This is the thing. God's working in us through his word, through his spirit, through his presence and through circumstance because he's determined this. Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be molded to the likeness of his son. Literally means God's out to make a duplicate copy of Jesus out of you. Now, you're not going to look like him. You won't sound like him because you're from Hull. <laughs> so your accent's a bit different. But you're going to be like him. In nature and character. Not in personality, but in nature and character. Still you, but Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's never going to give up on you until you get to the point, like Stephen did very soon. You had a, people with the qualities of Stephen who was being stoned to death. And he said, Father, forgive them. He echoed the words of his hero. Father, forgive them. How do you do that when guys are stoning you? He just dropped to his knees. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he said, receive my spirit. And boom, he fell asleep and out he went. He never tasted death. Isn't that incredible? So God's working in you. Then we said that right in the middle, not only is God out to develop your nature and character so that you're pure and humble and meek and all these things that you go, oh yes, do it in me, Lord. And patient, yeah. And long suffering. Come on, I can see you with me this morning. Right in the middle of it, he also says, and when you pray. So I'm going to make a prayer of you, whether you like it or not. And just like patience and loving the unlovely, most of us ain't very good at prayer. Why? Because it's a high caliber, high end thing. Don't be shocked that you fail at it. We all do. So it's an, one of those areas, just like loving the unlovely, where you've got to go, God, do a work in my heart. 
Okay? And Jesus teaches this right in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount. Matthew um, uh, 6 and verse 6 onwards. Jesus says this, when you pray, go into your room. It's not a picture. It's not a parable. It's just a command. He's telling us how to live. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Some versions say he was in the secret place. I love that. Where's God? Where's God? In the secret place. Where's God? I'm looking for him in a meeting, in a conference, in a CD set, in a podcast. Where's God? Go into your room, close the door and start to go, Daddy, in a different realm to me, our Father who art in heaven, um, give me a passion for your name. I love your name. I love your name. I love your name. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Some versions say will reward you in public. In other words, something happens in the secret place between you and God. So attach this now to the end of the Sermon on the Mount where we started off. I never knew you away from me. Go into your room, pray to your father in heaven. My father who art in heaven. So that what? Every day. Why every day? Because we know he says, give us today our daily bread. Right? You're loving this, aren't you? Um, Early. Pardon? Early. Now listen, even if you have your main prayer later, have some prayer early. Because listen, scientists have, have proven that the first imprint on your brain, when you wake up in the morning, you wake up with a, literally a bit of a biological clean slate in your brain. And the first imprint on your brain will affect the rest of your day. That's science. Now let's go, Jesus. There's a wonderful verse. It's got to be in the Psalms, this phrase, from the womb of the morning. Listen to that phrase. From the womb of the morning I have received. Every morning you give birth to something. Some of you say, yeah, it feels like that some mornings. Ah, this morning. Every Every morning, what are you giving birth to as soon as you wake up? Worry? It's, what you, it's like an imprint. Biologically, you put an imprint on your mind in the first few minutes of your waking and the first activity and the first meditations of your day. Is it worry? Is it stress? Or is it... Father, you're in heaven. It's all right for you. You never get tired. I'm exhausted. Coffee. Go, 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 go. I love your name. I love your name. I love your name. Something about the name of God. Jesus said, um, uh, he said, uh, uh, while I was on this earth, I protected them, talking of his disciples, through the name you gave me. Is that a weird phrase? It's John 17. I protected my disciples through the name you gave me. And then he said, because he's now praying for them, he says, so Father, would you protect them with your name? Now I'm going. Protect them with your name. What happens when you get up in the morning and you close that door, even if it's just, you know, five, ten minutes and you'll pray proper later, but five, ten minutes and you, and you close that door and you, and you go, okay, Father, uh, what do you need that day? Comforter, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, sacred, special, powerful is your name. You're going to protect me through your name. Comforter, provider, what do you need? Strength, strong tower. My deliverer, avenger. His name does something in us. There's something about spending that moment and having that first imprint of the day be God's on my side. He's for me, not against me. 
You stick your faith chest out. You get your chin in the air. You look up, not look down. Say, God is for me, not against me. Let the first thing out your mouth every morning be, God is for me, not against me. Yabba dabba do. And go, go and go and get showered because you look awful. Go on, yeah, that's what you need to do. Just, and when you pray, um, don't keep on babbling. It goes down to verse nine. He says, then this is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven us those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. He teaches us how to pray. What was Jesus doing up that mountain every day where he was out of text range? They couldn't tweet. They couldn't find him. They couldn't, you know, he, was, he was disappeared for a moment with his father. A moment with his father. Closeness to your father is so important. Why? Coming to church is not knowing God. It's an expression of it. What God's after is your heart, not litur liturgical ceremony. You can use liturgical ceremony, but that won't do it. There's got to be intimacy at the center of it, right? So what does he say to do? In this incredible teaching that he says at the end, if you don't do this, I won't know you. And then the next bit, at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, straight after that bit, he says, so build your house on sand by not doing what I've just said, you're going to crash. Build your house on rock by what I've just told you to do, you're going to stand through every storm. Right? So we've got to do this stuff. So Lord, help us. Help us to pray. Help us to come into that secret place and to be close to God. Because something happens when we go into our room and we shut the door. Why? The Father's waiting in the secret place to get close to us. Amen? We want to be close to him. Now, um, oh, done that bit. What, what, what do we do every day? Well, I like the Ian Christensen's daughter bit, you know, 20 minutes speaking in tongues, 20 minutes praying through the Our Father, 20 minutes reading your Bible. Or if you're a, a young Christian, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, or 10 minutes, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. But then also just listening to God. The issue about going in your room and closing the door is really one of showing off in their context. So, so the real issue is don't show off in prayer. Yeah. That's why it's a secret place. So I think you can go for a walk too and it's still, do you know what I mean? It's not the physical act of shutting the door. It's the physical act of getting alone and it no, being nothing to do with a mask. All the masks come down. Yeah. Daddy, I need you. And I worship you and hallowed be your name. Amen. And something happens when we do that. And I just want to share with you in the little time that we've got left, a couple of the things that happens when we get into the secret place. Matthew 4, 4, listen to this. Jesus said this, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love that verse. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds, every rhema that proceeds, the, the uttered words of God. What are we doing when we get into the secret place and come close to God? We're listening for the words of heaven. Anybody else? You're listening for those words. Why? Because they're incredibly powerful. Isaiah 55 verse 10, 11 says this, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to the sower and bread for the eater. He's going to say this, my word is like rain. So is my word that rains on your life, that goes out from my mouth. It won't return to me empty, but will accomplish. Say accomplish. Say the word accomplishes. It accomplishes what God desires. Now we've really pointed out this morning, we need to know the will of the Father 
so that when we get there, he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Where does that come from? Man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds. What's proceeding out of God's mouth for you today? What's raining down from heaven? You got your brolly up? I'm in bed, brolly up, don't want to hear, don't want to think. What about coffee? Oh, speak. Speak, Lord, your servant's listening. Because it does something in you. The next verse, Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this, the sun, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact (coughs) representation of his being. Listen, I love this. Sustaining all things by his powerful word or by the word of his might, some version says. God's words sustain everything. They're powerful. They're creative. At the beginning of the world, when God said, let there be light, he he spoke and light came into being. But also his word sustains and holds and carries and moves everything. So listen, it's not that God said, let there be light, and there was light, and then the word stopped working. When God said, let there be light, the word of God went out and holds the lights of the world in the sky. They're standing on the word of God. And when he speaks over your life and he says, be blessed, prosper, be healed, be a man or woman of prayer, be stirred by my spirit, I'll make you strong. What happens when God says, whispers in the secret place, be strong? Something happens inside of you. Man can't live just by bread, even if there's a curry with it. Who knows that you can breathe but not live? You live by the words whispered out of the mouth of God. So what do we do? We go to the place where the Father speaks. We go to where the communication of heaven is touching our lives and something happens deep inside of us when we get ourselves in the roar of the rhema of God. Come on, I'm putting together with the psalm there, deep course, deep in the roar of your waterfalls. We get our lives in the roar of the rhema. Let him speak. So many times I remember, you know, God just saying phrases. And it's different when it comes, not just read, but something leaps in your heart. Anybody know what I mean? And God's just, I remember God said to me once, you are my son. That creates and it sustains. He didn't just say it past tense. He's released it and it won't return to him till I'm home. I'm standing on that. I'm his son. I remember once standing in a leaders meeting, 20 wonderful men of God around me. And we all just stood to pray. And as I stood and put my arms like this, the spirit of God just pushed me. And I, and I, and I, I, I sat down like this and God just said to me, sit down, you'll do more. He was talking to me about stress rest you'll do more rested when God says to you sit down what do you do there's whispers that make you live not survive not keep going with the spiritual routine I go to a happy clappy church so I sing happy clappy songs I listen to sermons and I I try my best to behave that's not it deep in my heart the will of the Father is being formed in me as you, to will and to do according to his good pleasure so that when I get there, hello, Jesus' twin has just come home. I'm not ready yet. I think you know that. So he's working in us. And what he's begun, he'll complete. 
And when we pray, we come to the place where the words of heaven just wash our hearts and create us and sustain us. God can't lie. I can lie. If I, if I say you're sat on a white seat, I'm lying. But God can't lie because he's God. He's so creative. If God says you're sat on a white seat, the seat will turn white as soon as he says it. He can't lie. What he says comes to pass. So when he says you're blessed, that's it. When he says you're healed, I sent forth my word and healed your disease. When he sends the word, what are you waiting for? You're not waiting for a goosebump. We're waiting for a word. Just a whisper from heaven. Sometimes one word will do it. And they're all in the secret place. Do you know that the, the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, which was not designed primarily for the corporate prayer setting or to be sung in songs. Jesus said the place where you go to God and you say, your kingdom come, your will be done. And you call heaven down into your world. It wasn't made for the corporate meeting. It wasn't made when there's men of God on the platform. It's you and God going, Daddy, let your kingdom come today in the office place. Come on, help me with this boss. And if I'm your boss, then you better pray. You better pray. It's made for the secret place to be quietly prayed. And the next bit, we're never going to get this done. But listen to these. We'll put them up. John, we're going to the book of John. God creates. Now, the other great, it's John 15, 4. Uh, I can't see who's at the back today. But, um, listen to these. This is what God does in prayer. Jesus said this, it's not coming up. John 15, verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's Jesus teaching on prayer. I love this. No branch. This is the whole point. This is why we've got to go to this secret place. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You cannot do it, Captain. You can't live this life on your own. You need help. I need help. Jesus teaches no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, abide, live, grafted into the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches, Jesus teaches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. You can't do a thing. If anyone does not remain in me, catch this. He's like a branch, verse six, that is thrown away and withers. Isn't this echoes of Matthew 7? If you don't remain in me, if you don't come to that secret place, Father in heaven, your name, kingdom come, forgive me, forgive others, daily bread. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words remain in you in that secret, my words remain in you. If my words wash over you, if my name washes over you, then it says, ask whatever you wish. Wow, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given you. If I go to John 17, I have to leap to this bit. Jesus still, he's teaching on prayer. If you ever want a great bit to meditate on in the week, John 14, 15, 16, 17, incredible prayer bits to just meditate on. And Jesus is praying at the end. He says, my prayer, John 17, 20, is not just for his disciples who were there with him. I've added that so you understand it. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. And ultimately echoing through the ages, that's you and me. He says that all of them may be one. Now he's not talking, we use this to talk about unity amongst ourselves. That's not what he's talking about. 
Well, it is in part, but it isn't in full. He says, I pray that they may be one, one in us. So that the world may believe you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are. I in them and you in me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Now, that's not the, 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 the kind of heavy, weighty presence word for glory. It's the word that means excellent condition. Can you say to the person next to you, most excellent condition? Jesus is saying, because I've missed a bit out. I've had to because we're, we're, we're running out of time this morning. But Jesus talks about the fact that he and his father He expresses his secret place relationship by saying, I am in the Father, the Father's in me. His words are in me. And actually, the work that you see, the miracles, it's the Father doing his work through me. And that's that's in, in John 14. Then it goes to John 17, and he says, that was a state of glory. Father in me, me in the Father. It was a most excellent state, an incredible condition, an incredible setup to be in. Right, you with me? An incredible setup. I am in the Father, the Father's in me. So then he says, and so I've given them that glory. So Father, it's you in me and me in you, but can we be in them and them in us too? It's a, I've given them a glorious condition because I don't want to leave them as orphans. So just like you've been in me and I've been in you, that's why I had to go up the mountain. I had to shut doors. I had to be alone with you and draw down heaven into my world and carry it into the valley. So God, I'm going to leave them in the same glorious state that you left me. So, so us in them, them in me, we're going to be one. Like taking two potatoes and mashing them together, we're going to be one. Amen. Something happens when we get into oneness with God. Let me finish with a quote from Captain Corelli's mandolin. This is what prayer is. It's becoming one with God. It's oneness. The word atonement, we think of the blood of Jesus cleansing us. Break up that word. I don't know where this came from, but it's brilliant. At one meant. Jesus died to make you one with him. But if, if, if we're not running into a room, shutting the door and going, Daddy, we're missing the whole point. Captain Corelli's mandolin, it's a father to a son, talking about love, talking about the father and his wife says this love is a temporary madness it erupts like an earthquake and then subsides and when it subsides you have to make a decision you have to work out whether your roots have become so entwined together that it's inconceivable that you could ever part because this is what love is love is not breathlessness it's not excitement it's not the promulgation of promises of eternal passion love is what's left over when being in love is burned away He said to the son, your mother and I had it. We had roots that grew towards each other underground. And when all the pretty blossom had fallen from our branches, we found that we were one tree and not two. Now that's you and God. God and I, our roots have become so entwined that it's inconceivable that we should ever part. This Christianity is not about breathlessness or excitement. We have roots that have grown towards each other underground through countless hours of whispered prayer and silent listening and gentle waiting. So when all the pretty blossom falls from our branches and the goosebumps are gone, actually the important thing is that we find that we're one tree and not two.
That's what prayer is. Jesus bought you the capacity to be one with God. Now we run into the secret place every day in different ways, at different times. God understands tiredness. He understands busyness. He understands the chaos of a newborn baby. But somehow, in little ways and big, over the whole span of our lives, yes, God, I walked in prayer with you. And we became one.